This morning we're continuing our series called Renewed. And Renewed is a series in which we are looking at our seven core values as a church. Now, we already sang about Renewed this morning. As we were singing, we sang a song about God making us new, creating within us that which he wants and longs for us in our lives. In Ephesians 3, it says that God wants to do immeasurably more than you've ever asked or can even imagine. Think about that. That God wants to do immeasurably more in your life today than you've ever asked him or you can even imagine. God wants to make us new. He wants to make us in the way he created us to be. And so in this series, we're talking about our core values, which we remember through the acronym of RENEWED. Each of the letters of RENEWED relates to one of the values of our church. And so we began by looking at being rooted in Scripture. Then we talked a couple weeks ago about the E, earnestly seeking after God. Last week, Pastor Kevin Harney preached an incredible sermon talking about our value of natural outreach, where we, we just share Jesus in the context of the relationships that we already have. We don't wait for somebody else to do it because God has brought those specific people into our life that we would be a witness, an ambassador for Jesus in their life. And this morning we're talking about the value of engaging relationships. In each of these values, they are rooted in the example of Jesus and the disciplines that Jesus practiced as he lived in this world. And so what we are doing is we're talking this morning about engaging relationships. Well, what is engaging relationships about? It's simply about living together as God has called us to live together. We were made for relationship, as we'll see this morning. We are most whole when we are living as God created us to live. We are most at peace, most joyful when we are living as God intended us to live, when we allow him to make us new by renewing us as we practice the values that are kingdom values, that are biblical values. Now, I don't, instead of defining engaging relationships, I want to give you an example. One of the reasons that we brought Kevin and Sherry Harney out last week to preach is so that you would encounter them, but so I could also talk about how we have experienced engaging relationships together for over 40 years. For over 40 years, we've been a part of each other's lives as individuals and as couples. We pray together. We pray for each other. We share on a regular basis the needs that we see, and we pray for one another. We are involved in each other's families. We, we built into their boys. They built into our children as well. We speak the truth and love to each other. We hold each other accountable. We share with each other the areas where we know that we are susceptible to temptation. 
and we hold each other accountable. And we ask each other hard questions in those areas because we, have, we are practicing the biblical discipline of engaging biblical relationships. When something good happens in our life, we know that Kevin and Sherry are going to celebrate with us as if it happened to them in their life. And we know that when we go through a hard thing in life, that Kevin and Sherry will stand with us in the midst of it. And we do the same for them. We have prayed for each other, even though we're at a distance and have been at a distance for many years, we are still walking together in life. We ministered side by side together for over a decade. I gotta tell you, the deepest, most engaging relationships that I have, and it's not because I'm a pastor, but the, most, the deepest, most engaging relationships I have are with people who share with me the same value and the same passion for the kingdom of God. We are committed together to something bigger than ourselves, and it makes a difference, and it's powerful. I want to give you that picture because I believe that picture is what God wants for us in our homes. It's that picture that God wants for us in our church. It's that picture that God wants for us in our community. Because God wants to make us new. And through us, he wants to make our community and our church new. And through our church and our community to make our world new. But it begins with you and me practicing the disciplines that Jesus practiced. So this morning, let's look at this value of engaging relationships. And here's the first thing as we look and we begin with God. Every week we're beginning with God. He practiced these disciplines. We see this in the life of Jesus. We see it in the ministry of God since the beginning of time. And we see in this first movement that our God loves community. God is a relational God. We are made in his image. We are relational people. Now, sin gets in the way. And I'm going to address that a little bit later. But sin gets in the way. And it hinders the relationships that God wants us to have. But we have to plow through that pain. We have to plow through that hurt. We have to deal with it so that we don't build up walls in our lives that keep our spouses, that keep our children, that keep our parents, that keep our friends at a distance in order to protect ourselves, we need to break through those walls knowing that God will strengthen us in the midst of it because relationships matter. We see this here in this great passage in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, as he created the world, let us make mankind in our image our image in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground so God created mankind you and me in his own image now notice that he uses the word plural let us make mankind in our image what is he talking about there one God three persons. One God, three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three persons living in eternal unity, harmony, relationship together. And you will see that Jesus in John 14 and John 15, 
picks up on that theme. That we may be in the Father as Jesus is in the Father. God, by his very nature, is relational. He is for eternity. He has been eternally in relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Perfect unity, perfect harmony. We are made in the image of God. We are relational people. You find almost every movie you ever watch, every book you ever read, no matter what the genre, there is, there is a focus on relationships because we are hungry for relationships. We need to connect with people. Now, some of us have been deeply hurt. Some of us, we, we, we're so broken that it's hard for us to let people into our lives because we won't, don't want to take that risk. I get it. I get it. But it leaves within you a longing that God created in you when he created you in his image. We read on in this first point, and we see that one of the experts in the law comes to Jesus trying to question him, trick him up with a question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the, in, the, in the law? What did Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He stopped there, didn't he? No, he didn't stop there. What did he say? And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the commands of God. All the moral commands of God can be summarized into these two commands. Love God, the vertical relationship. Love one another, the horizontal relationship. God didn't just create us and say, love me. He created us in relationship so that we love God in relationship and we love one another in relationship. One of the purposes of family is not just that we procreate. The purpose of family is that we practice being biblical Christians in the context of the home in which we are raised and the home in which we live. And in that, those engaging relationships, we grow and we deepen. We become more like Jesus as the people around us love us and encourage us, pray for us, challenge us. And we experience that in community. We cannot live apart from community because we are made in the image of God and God is a relational God. We read on and we see the second point is that Jesus himself lived in engaging relationships. You see it throughout the Gospels. But one of the, one of the great pictures of this for me comes from Matthew, um, Mark chapter uh, 14. Jesus knew that after he had communion, the Lord's Supper together with his disciples, as we will this morning, they then went to a, the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, the disciples still didn't fully grasp that what was going to happen, that Jesus was going to be arrested that night, that he was going to be crucified. And so Jesus, knowing what was coming, listen to what it says. It is so powerful. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John. Now, Jesus had well over 100 followers at that time. He had the 12 that he particularly built into, and then he had the three that he was closest to, Peter, James, and John. At a point of great need, Jesus, in his humanity, called these three men to stand with him, to pray with him. At a point of distress and anguish, listen to what he says. 
he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Stand with me. Don't leave me. Don't forsake me. I need you in my humanity. I need you to stand with me. I believe that the battle for the cross was won in that moment when Jesus, when Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He still could have left. He still could have avoided the cross. He knew what was coming. And what does he do? He brings Peter, James, and John with him. Late at night, the disciples are falling asleep. These men fall asleep. But Jesus needed them to stand with him. Jesus was, was involved in engaging relationships. We read on and we see that Jesus loved. Boy, you see it time and time and time again. Jesus loved. I want you to hear, hear this. Jesus loved every single person. We see it throughout the Gospels, and so starkly, so powerfully, in John chapter 3, then John chapter 4. John chapter 3, he's dealing with one of the powerful people in his world in that day. He's dealing with Nicodemus, a mover and a shaker, a religious, significant religious person. He's dealing with him. We go right, they leave there, and Jesus now is dealing with somebody, and we don't even know her name. The Bible doesn't even give us her name. But Jesus values her and loves her every bit as much as he loved Nicodemus. And it was a woman with a difficult past. And Jesus loved her and ministered to her. In fact, his disciples, when they came back and they saw Jesus talking to her, they said, what are you doing? That's a woman. That's, that, that, that's a, she's insignificant. She's not even one of us. But it's the nature of God to love. And we are to love. Jesus loved the forgotten. Are you, do you feel forgotten? Do you feel insignificant? Do you feel like nobody recognizes you? Nobody values you? God does. You matter to him. He loves the abandoned and the excluded. Those that were abandoned by society. Those that were on the outside of society. Those with leprosy. Those who are tax collectors. And if you don't know the background there, just know that these were the people that were traitors to Israel. They were, he befriended the sick and the prostitutes. In fact, the biggest, one of the biggest criticisms that the religious leaders had for Jesus was the kind of people that he hung around. People like you and me. Not the kind of people that a religious leader should be hanging out with. But it's the heart of God to reach everybody, regardless of their past. I don't know what your story is. I know that God loves you. I don't know what your past is. I know that God sees through the past. He sees your heart, and you are made in his image, and you matter to him. And we are to see the world in the same way. We read on, and we see that Jesus loved the unprotected, the widow, the orphan, those with no social uh, social society, uh, safety net. That's significant, friends. We are to follow his example. Now let's go to the second movement. And we see in the second movement that we are called, you and I as disciples, as followers of Jesus, are called to live as Jesus lived. We are to value the things that Jesus valued. And one of the things that Jesus values, we just saw as people. 
And so even with the risks that he took, he engaged in relationships. We'll say more about that in just a moment. But we are called to live not in dependent relationships. We are called to not in independent relationships. We are called to live in interdependent relationships. This is an amazing passage in Romans 12, 3 to 5. Let me read it to you and just follow along as I read it because I'm going to talk about it for just a few moments. For by the grace given to me, Paul says, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Boy, our world thinks very highly of itself. But rather, think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each one of you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, many parts to our body, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to the other. Okay, what does that mean? What is he saying there? He's saying that we are interdependent. Have you ever wondered, why, God, why didn't you just give us all, all the gifts? Why couldn't I have all the gifts of the Spirit? Why do I have just one or two gifts of, this, of the many different gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to us? Why can't I have all of them? Because here's what happens when I have all the gifts. I don't need you. I don't need you. I can do it on my own. And you don't need me. You can do it on your own. Why would God not want us to be able to do it on our own? Because he wants us to live in relationship. Because living in relationship connects us one to the other so that we are more like God. We are to be relational people. Relationship with God, relationship with one another. As we earnestly seek God, we are to open our hearts and our homes, and our lives to each other, living biblically in our relationships with one another. We're not to be independent. Now, we pride ourselves as Americans in not needing other people. I don't need you. That's, we're proud about that. And as we'll, say in just, we'll talk about in just a moment why that's a problem. Number one, you weren't created for that. You weren't created to live on your own apart from other people. You were created to live in relationship with God and with one another. The second thing I want you to see here is that we are to love one another as Christ has loved us. A new command I give you, love one another. Now, what is the standard by which we love each other? What is that standard? It's the way that Jesus loves us. That's the standard by which I am to love. I love but in the same way that Jesus loves me. That's the standard. The standard isn't how others love me. The standard isn't how society says we're supposed to love. And that's one of the big problems in the church. Our human relationships more reflect the rules of our American culture than they do biblical standards. I want to give you an example of this. There are what's called uh, the one-anothering statements of the New Testament. There are 59 one-anothering statements. Now, what is a one-anothering statement? It teaches us how to one-another one-another. Wow, you ain't gonna write that down. That just preaches, doesn't it? It teaches us how to live in relationship. It teaches us how to connect with each other, how to one-another one-another. Now, a third of the 59 
is the command, love one another. Now, isn't it interesting that God gives us so much information, not just about how to love him, but how to love each other? Why does he do that? Because it matters to God. And when we love each other in the way that we are supposed to love each other, God is glorified. And so let me just share with you just a few of the 59. I already said love one another, but a few of the 59 one anothering statements. Be at peace with one another. Be devoted, devoted to one another in brotherly love, which is the, uh, the Greek word phileo. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. What would it look like in one of your human relationships, maybe your marriage, to honor another person above yourself? Uh, when my kids were growing up, one of the a definition of love that we made up and, and would repeat to our kids often was, love is being willing to give up what you want for you to give to the other what God wants for them. It's sacrifice. It's devotion. Stop passing judgment on one another. Accept one another just as Christ has accepted you. Instruct one another. Wow, isn't that great? Instruct, teach one another. Oh, this is my favorite. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Carry one another's burdens. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. In humility, consider others better than yourself. Now, that's not emotionally, that's in how we act. Encourage one another. Don't grumble against one another. Confess your sins to one another. This is something that Kevin and Sherry and Beth and I do with each other. We confess our sins and pray for one another. It's powerful. Pray for each other. On and on and on. These are just a few of them. See, that's what it looks like to one another, one another. The standard by which we love each other is not the standard by which our culture loves each other. Remember that old movie where they said, and I actually heard somebody say this in the church, love is never having to say you're sorry. What? I heard it said in a church. That's not biblical. The Bible is my standard by how I love in my home how I love in the church. And you know what? This is the way that I become all that I was, more of what I was created to be. This is how I become new. Because you are praying for me. Because you are challenging me. Because you are encouraging me. Because you are standing with me. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We mourn with those who mourn. And we live together as biblical community. Friends, you will engage on a deep level in your home and in the church and in the community in the world when we live like this. It's powerful. I want, um, let's look at the next one. And that is, we are called to engaging relationships even though they're risky. Let's face it, relationships are hard. Why are relationships hard? Because we are sinful people. Our natural tendency is to want what we want, is to have people serve us, not we serve them. 
The biblical standard of love is one of serving others, not expecting them to serve us. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the example of human relationships. In his humanity as he walked upon the earth, he taught us how to engage in love. But what happens is our natural sinful tendency is to promote me, is to get my needs met, is to get the things I want, is to have people see things my way, is to have people do things my way. And when I do that, all I'm doing is hurting the people around me. And we've all been in relationships where we've been hurt. And some of you, that hurt and that pain has come from a church experience. I know that. I've had people say very unkind things to me. Now, fortunately, even though I'm thin-skinned, I've got community around me who tell me the truth. And sometimes I don't, the truth isn't great. I mean, I've done some embarrassing things. Sometimes I say something I shouldn't have said, often. Sometimes I do dumb things. Yesterday, uh, Saturday, I took my wife to the, um, uh, to the Loft House team. She on that mission trip in Mexico. And uh, I'm walking around, and all of a sudden she says, Don, your pants are on backwards. <laughs> okay, I was wearing shorts. But I had Nike in the back. You know, I'm glad she told me. Now, it wasn't necessary she told everybody, but I'm glad she told me. Because I was going out and seeing people. And um, it's good to have people tell us the truth. But relationships, friends, are risky. They are risky. There's, there's just no way around it. They're risky. But I want to tell you it's worth it. If you have been hurt... Look at your life honestly and ask this question, and I'm, am I building walls around my life to protect myself? Those walls will be in your marriage. Those walls will be in the church. Those walls will be with your children and your parents because we don't want to get hurt, and we try to keep people away from us. But I want to tell you this, the deeper I go with Christ, the more I know who I really am, a child of the living God, and if it doesn't matter what people say about me, unless it's true, what matters is what God says about me. And so when people say things about me, I think, okay, God, is this true? Is this something I have to pay attention to? Is this true about me? Are you, are you letting me hear this so that I can become more? so that I can become more of who you created me to be. So I become new. And I receive that. But sometimes it could, even the truth can be said in an unkind way. And so we build up walls. But those walls are keeping you from the very thing that you want most because you were created in the image of God to be relational. And if you are not letting God live through you and bring healing to you and step through those barriers, what happens is you are losing the joy that God wants for you. You are losing the beautiful ways that God uses community to grow you and to strengthen you and to empower you. Some of you, um, I remember a friend of mine, uh, a neighbor actually lived across the street uh, just a little bit to the, to the side, and he was a year younger than me, and I kept encouraging him to come to church with me as a teenager, and at, right after I came to Jesus, and um, 
he said to me, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't believe that Christians need church. I just saw him not too long ago, and man, he is so far from God. Friends, we, were, we need church relationships. We need that. The Bible says in Peter that Satan is a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. How many of you have ever watched National Geographic? I love National Geographic. Isn't it great? Have you ever seen the one where they do, they do this a lot, predators and prey? Okay, so the predators, like a lions or a, or a, uh, a, a tribe of, I oh, know this is the wrong word, a tribe of wolves. That's what I said, a pack of wolves. You guys not listening? A pack of wolves. And they'll be chasing a group of prey. And the prey is running for their lives. And every time, what do they do? The predators pick off the ones that are by themselves. You have one run off in a different direction, that's the one they go after. They go after the ones that are on the outside and kind of, kind of behind. Those are the ones they go after. Friends, we need community in order to stand against the attacks of the evil one. We need community in order to stand firm in our faith. We were created for community. We need community. And friends, I, I, particularly those of you who, who, for lots of reasons, can only be with us online, I know there are a lot of you. This is particularly challenging for you right now. I know that. And so I'm going to address that in just a moment. But here's the next thing I want you to see. There are lots of ways that we can connect with each other. Lots of ways. And we can share a meal together. Right now we have, um, today I don't even know how many people, but many, many of you tonight are going to be in community together, eating a meal together at somebody's house. This is something that we, uh, we planned over, uh, over the last few weeks. Pastor Danny and Pastor Lon put this thing together with Larissa, and this is a way for us to begin getting community together now. This isn't going to be the only time. We're going to keep doing this. Because we want to create opportunities for you to be together. And be together with people that you're just learning about. How can we be community if we don't even know each other? I want to encourage you. Plan a, a one Sunday a month maybe where you're going to invite somebody from church to your home after church. And just somebody maybe you don't know very well or somebody you don't know at all. You will love getting to know new people. I know it's risky. I know it's challenging. I know it's not safe. But you will be blessed through that experience. Take a walk with someone and just talk together. Look for ways to bless each other with words, with deeds. Join a small group. We want to encourage you to grow. So how does this, how does this impact our world? What is the most powerful testimony of the church? It's our love for one another. Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple. How does the world know that we're disciples of Jesus? By how we love each other. By our unity. By the way we stand and encourage and challenge each other. By the way we pray for each other. The way we live together as, as God's people. 
And then finally, invite others into community. They broke bread in their homes. This is a picture of the early church. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And shock, shock, the Lord added daily to the number who were being saved. I think God put that together for a reason. The world saw how they loved one another, how they wanted to be together, and the world took notice. So friends, where, where can you go from here? What are some things, steps that you can take? I mentioned just a couple, but there are a couple things that you can do. One is connect with us at the church. Connect with Pastor Lon. Pastor Lon leads our small group ministries. We have many different small group opportunities. We have one of the best things I've ever done was something called Rooted. It's only 10 weeks, just 10 weeks. You could do 10 weeks. And you will be part of a community of people who will grow together for 10 weeks. And I guarantee you, it will be an amazing experience. You will grow in your faith. You will grow in your um, relationships. You will grow as a believer. We have many other small groups. We have many gathering opportunities. We have an incredible class right now on Wednesday nights that is looking at what is Reformed theology. What is it? And it's a community of people just learning together. We have women's groups, men's groups. We have so many opportunities for you. Now, for those of you who connect with us online, we are concerned that you don't have the kind of support because of your situation that you need. Contact us at the church. Contact Pastor Lon. He's going to be creating groups for people online to connect as community. We want to stand with you. We want to bless you. We want to support you. So please contact us so that we can get you into an engaging community. Friends, there's nothing like being the people of God together. It matters to him because we were made in his image. That's when we are most right in our lives, when we are living new again. Will you pray with me? Our Father, thank you for the power of your word Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that your word brings to our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us as people, particularly those who are struggling with, with times they've been hurt, they've been rejected. But Jesus, you've been rejected. You were denied by Peter, one of your closest friends, even denied even knowing you. And yet you not only forgave him, you restored him. And so, God, help us to live with that perspective, that attitude in our lives. Lord, we want to pray today for the Mexico Loft team as they return. Lord, may it be a great celebration this morning as this family receives a home. Lord, we want to pray together this morning for the cadets and, and their dads in this weekend gathering, wow, more than 80, 80 cadets and their dads or men that are standing in their lives. Lord, thank you for that opportunity. Lord, we pray for them, not only for safe return, but Lord, we pray that great things that began this weekend would continue when they come back home. We pray for the people in Florida that are suffering from the hurricane. And Lord, we pray your ministry upon them. We pray that the church, the church of Jesus Christ, would be counted in the midst of this disaster. 
Lord, that we would be those who lead, who lead the process of healing. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.